All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Another very exciting evening for us here at the We're Talking Football podcast as we welcome in two very special guests this evening. First, we have the host of Charge It to the Game, Mr. Craig Smith, a.k.a. Top Flight, a.k.a. based on his mood this evening, Mr. Zen Aflac. Craig, really appreciate you carving out some time for us, sir. Oh, no doubt, fellas. I really appreciate you having me on. Anytime I can talk charges at all, um, you know, I'm, I'm all for it. So, again, thanks for the time. I'm going to ask you to keep that talk limited this evening. No, I'm just playing with you, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're also joined uh, by a guest our audience knows, loves, is very familiar with, the hardest working man in 49ers social media and co-host of the Sprint Right Option podcast, Mr. Jason Aponte. Jason, always a pleasure, sir. Hey, uh, Weston, Lou, Craig, very nice to meet you guys. And you know what? I don't want to limit the other talk. Like, we literally had a talk just before about how I would love to speak <laughs> about other things because there's nothing going on with the 49ers right now. Weston, we are the most boring team in the NFL and have been for the last four years. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Gents, again, first and foremost, Lou and I sincerely appreciate you carving out some time to wrap with us this evening just for a little bit. But things are heating up as we are officially one week minus a couple hours away from the first round of the 2022 NFL draft, which is the topic that is top of mind for us this evening. We talked a little bit about this before we hopped on, but really the objective tonight is a little roundtable, essentially. Go through a, a series of questions of events that we, we think might actually take place and give our insights around those particular events not necessarily just through the first round of the draft, but all seven rounds, all X number of picks, et cetera. So with that being said, we got a lot to get to. I'm going to go ahead and let Lou kick us off like I always do. Lou, I'm going to leave it to you. You get to choose from everything that we carved out where you want to begin this evening and then all give us a few moments so we can scroll to our notes and catch up with wherever you're starting. Yeah, I appreciate to be the table setter here. Uh, so first and foremost, there's a boatload of teams in this draft that have uh, you know multiple first-round picks. I think anywhere from six to eight, if I'm not mistaken. And I think one of the most important things when you have multiple first-round picks, you have to hit in the you know you have to hit a home run in a draft like that. And one of the questions we we were discussing is what teams need to hit a home run in this draft. For me, I think it has to be the New York Giants. Look at their last five first-round draft picks. They've had they've had Andrew Thomas, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Eli Apple, Eric Flowers. Among those five first round draft picks, they've only had one Pro Bowler. All right, they're short on talent. They're short on cap space. They don't know if they have a their franchise quarterback. Spoiler: They don't have a first a franchise quarterback. No, we know they don't. So. Yeah. So, but, oh wow! So, but this is the first time I think they finally have the football minds in that building to actually really make a change. So it's imperative for them to hit a home run in this draft. They have two picks within the top 10. They're in a prime spot to trade back one of those uh, quarterback needy teams. My opinion, I think uh, they need to trade back, get a another future first round draft pick for next year and start really building this thing, you know, for dabble and, uh, you know, crew over there. Uh, it's imp This is a really important draft for the New York giants, in my opinion, uh, because they, like I said, they finally got, uh, you know, intelligent men running operations there. Guys that know how to use computers. Uh, guys uh, that this, are... This that, Dave Gettleman slander is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm here for it, though. I'm here yeah. for it. Give me all of it. 
<laughs> yeah. So, in my opinion, the New York Giants are the team that needs to hit a home run in this year's draft. All right. I'll let you popcorn. You you pick one of these gentlemen who will go next on that uh, sub- same subject. I'll, I'll go. You know, I'll go right. You know, my fellow Charger fan, Craig. What do you think? Home run team. It's got to be the Packers, right? I mean, oh my God, why are you gonna say mine? Ah, yeah. I should have went second. You know, I, I, and that was when I was looking at some of these questions. I'm like, I know we're gonna have some of the same stuff because some no of it is just no obvious. But I mean, you got you paid Aaron, so you you lost Vontae, and I mean, what are you gonna do now? Who's your next wide receiver up to bat? I don't even know. I mean, MVS is gone. He's the Chiefs now. He's the Chief now. So. I mean, who's the next wide receiver up to bat? I'm not even exactly sure. Um, with really Buddy's not. name from Clemson that they drafted a year ago. Tyree's gone, Nicole, and uh, oh man, we just said MVS. Oh, Juju. No, no, no. For um, from uh, Green Bay. From Green Bay. Oh, Green Bay. Oh, yeah, Rod- I can't remember. Amari, I can't remember. They, Amari they Rogers. Amari Rogers. There you go. So, I mean, T. Martin's son, by the way. He could barely get on the field. And um, at this point, what is he really? Is he really a receiver? He's got more of a running back build. He's kind of got like that whole wide back thing to him. We talked about this before we got started. We don't know. So at the end of the day, I mean, you got two picks. You've got to come away with at least two new weapons for Rodgers. Now, I mean, that's really not their thing. They don't like spending high value picks on wide receivers. So if you paid Aaron, are you going to give him his choice? Or I mean, you're going to pull something else slick, like draft a player that you don't necessarily need and just kind of leave him out to dry. So at this point, for me, you got to compete in the NFC. I mean, we all saw Brady in his full retirement. So I I guess at this point, he felt like he couldn't allow Aaron to steal the show. So he comes back into the league. He's got all his weapons. And now what looked like an easier path, maybe for Rodgers, is definitely not as simple as it once seemed. So for me, it's got to be the pack. You got to hit on both of those first rounders. Yeah, I don't think you need uh, two wide receivers in those picks, though. I think maybe uh, the first pick a wide receiver, then BPA in the second one. They don't they don't draft bad in the first round. I feel like Stokes was pretty good last year, and Jordan I don't know. Love. I just Jordan Love. Well, okay. Jordan Love. Okay. Jordan well. Love. Anyone? I wasn't going to say it. Bueller. <laughs> Bueller. Yo, that's because Rodgers was getting hurt all the time. So all the time. Dude, he was getting banged up a lot. He missed a lot of games, man. He's playing banged up. All right, Jason, please take over for this man and tell me <laughs> tell me who has to hit it out of the park. All right, so the Packers, it feels like the natural fit right here because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is back. You move Devontae Adams. How do you replicate that sort of production? And I have the same sort of concerns. If Traylon Burks finds his way onto this team, I start to get a lot more afraid. And, you know, there's plenty of scenarios where maybe even, let's just say, in a crazy world, people are discounting what happened to Jamison Williams and Jamison Williams falls and in this wrong version of the Matrix, Aaron Rodgers gets to spend his last few years throwing footballs to Jamison Williams. That would not be good for 49ers fans and probably not all all sort of football fans at this point. But, yeah, I would say it's the Jets at this point. The Jets, you literally what you moved for Jamal Adams put you in a spot where now it's Sauce Gardner and it's someone else like a Garrett Wilson. Like, you, you have a chance to really draft cornerstone players that will impact everything that you're doing day one and also be a part of what's already been built, right? Solid brings the floor over. You run a lot with the 49ers have. Now you have Lincoln Thomason come in. He's super familiar with the scheme. You're talking about Michael Carter, who just needs a little bit more help in on the backside where 
he doesn't have to take the brunt of everything. But I think that the Jets are in a position where they need to start making moves now in this in this way because Jet fans are not just going to sit around and be the old, you know, well, we're the Jets and, you know, I live in Jersey. I know that everything is super negative. But you have your guy at quarterback. You have the regime because I really feel that Robert Sala can push them in the right direction. They just need another year. Fit more personnel. They spent more money. I mean, obviously, names like CJ Uzama and Conklin aren't going to really move the needle for you. But those are very productive tight ends. They finally moved on from Chris Herndon the year before, so they're trying to figure this out. But when you look at the receiver core, now you're talking about Elijah Moore, Jamison Williams, or Garrison uh, Garrett Wilson, and then all of these other things that we talked about. I think the Jets are in a prime position to start making their way towards the Patriots. Like we're here, like, you know, like you guys have to acknowledge us. They're going to have to do it through the draft because you heard, you know, the rumors that were coming out that uh, they're having trouble attracting some talent and going, you know, going to make sense. You hear what what Tyreek Hill said, you know, he had no, you know, uh, there was no way he was going to uh, coming over here to New Jersey. And, uh, you know, if you can't attract via free agency and, it's not a good idea to overpay, you know, your free your free agents like the Jacksonville Jaguars did. Uh, you got to do it through the draft then. Well, they'll, they'll win the draft when they unload three of those top-level picks for at 19 problems. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what's going to happen, and then they'll be the win the draft. So this is one of those areas where I got to pivot on the fly because not only were the Packers taken, I had a backup plan knowing that I might go last, and that backup plan just got snagged as well. Um, here's the obvious answer. All 32 teams need to hit out of the park. That's just the way the, the, the NFL draft is, is slated. You're talking about whether it's rounds one through seven, you can find two contributors to your team, even for the contenders that gets you over the hump. So I'm pivoting and I'm literally doing this on the fly because Packers for all the obvious reasons, you need to go get Aaron Rodgers. You need to, you need to dedicate some of this focus to the offensive side of the football, period, point, blank, and you haven't done that and you haven't done it well enough. You can find some defensive players throughout this draft, even in later rounds, if you ask me, and they've done a good job addressing the defense a little bit at a time over time and found some free agent steals along the way. The Jets is obvious. Salah, Douglas, talking about year three in there, right? Like pressure's on now. Like you've been given time. Um, you know, the grace period's off the table. It's more about like, we need to see that needle move or we need to really start thinking what we're going to do over the next year, year and a half anyway. And honestly, nobody wants to see Robert Salah succeed more than I do. Um, and, and LaFleur, like, I want to see them do well. And if there's one place I had to wish Debo to go, I'd want it to be there. We know plenty of Jet fans and I know they can give us the roast in return. So I'm pivoting on the fly and I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers. And why I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers, and I said I'm going to limit the Chargers pick, is think about what the AFC West did this offseason. And you guys were an integral part of that, right? Khalil Mack, J.C. Jackson. Um, You added some beef and bodies up front to stop the run game. To me, in this very competitive division, and, you know, the old saying, like, win your division, get into the playoffs, and you're all good. Well, this is going to be the hardest division to win in when all said and done. That number 17 pick and that third round pick are going to be crucial. If you can find two immediate contributors to your either side of the ball, you need impact players right now. Ideal wish list is I know, Lou, you and I have talked about it all the time. Like, is it right tackle? Is it right tackle? Is it right tackle? It's got to be a playmaker. 
It's got to be a playmaker, and it's got to be a playmaker for longevity because as much as I love Keenan Allen, as I love Keenan Allen, and Lou will tell you about my infatuation with him, we are approaching the back nine for Keenan Allen. Like, it, it's, it's a fact. Like, this is what we're doing. That needs to be a playmaker for you, and that playmaker paired with Justin Herbert could be a difference maker for you in the division. So how about that, fellas? On the fly, zero preparation. You all stole what I was leading with, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you it's the Los Angeles Chargers need to hit it out of the park. That's clutch, man. I like it. Yeah, I like it. I know a little bit about what's going on. Not a lot, just a little, a little bit, bit about the little, NFL. Little, little bit. West, no, when you started seeing Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, and then you start to think Denver added Russell Wilson and all the, I'm just like, the AFC West is an absolute gauntlet now at it's, this point, and far and away the best division in football yep. at this point. It, Not even close. Maybe, maybe ever. Maybe it's ever. about surviving, guys. It, they're going to cannibalize themselves, dude. It, it's crazy right. to think about everything. It's, it's literally like the center of the NFL universe resides in the AFC West this year. And I mean, couldn't have really seen it coming, but when you think about having a rookie QB, like, you know, potentially a superstar on his way to be a superstar quarterback in um, Justin Herbert, you got to do what you can with that contract in the first few years. And it's not like the Chargers to do what they've done. I mean, you know, Lou knows we sit around and we pick the scraps up in free agency. There's almost no action that takes place on day one. And when day two rolls around, it's somebody who you're like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, and by the time all the top names are, get, are gone, you're just, you know, at the point to where you're just thinking, all right, just get some solid guys and yep. maybe we can compete. We hype ourselves up and then we end up, you know, 500 or just barely over or under. So uh, AFC West is definitely, it's an arms race, man. I, I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. You know what I love most about what y'all did is you were prudent. Like Lou and I were talking about this offline. Look, like look at the Denzel War contract right now. And yeah, then JC Jackson deal. You, you gave JC Jackson. JC Jackson, Jackson feels like a is steal. furious. Yeah, it feels He's like punching the air. Right now. I, I'd argue you gave up. Well, you win, no. you win no. the draft by just securing Khalil Mack for what you gave up for him, right? Like it's, it's like we owe that all to Derwin James. Yeah, JC Jackson was just being a sweetheart to Derwin James. Exactly, because J.C. Jackson wants his, you know, his former uh, college football uh, buddy, not college football, his uh, former seven-on-seven uh, football buddy. Yeah, they play seven-on-seven uh, in high school, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, he just wanted him to be there, too. So he saved a little money for Durbin. That was nice of J.C. You knew what he was doing. So there was a story, I don't know if it came out that was uh, in the media or not, and I kind of have some background stuff, so I might be saying too much here. I don't know. i got to be careful. Um so apparently JC wanted to come to LA and um, mm, he was willing to just get the deal done. Uh, his uh, agent was trying to get him, was trying to basically reset the market. And when they were doing the back and forth dance, uh, he was looking at, was that 23? He wanted like 23 mil a year, something crazy like that. And when, you know, the agent was trying to do what he was doing, JC made it known he wanted to get the deal done. They lost all leverage. And he's just like, get it done. I want to be in L.A. I want to play there. So he was willing to take less money. So, again, we owe it to Derwin because that relationship means that much to where he wanted to come and play with this guy. And he was willing to not go after Jalen Ramsey, the Jalen Ramsey bag. He didn't care about it. So, again, thank you to our Lord and football savior. Derwin James, Mr. I'm sorry. I was going to call him my, my old nickname for him used to be area 33, but now he's number three. So I got to figure something new out. <laughs> Here's 
but this this like matters right <laughs> everything you're just saying because this to me is like the first like sense like over the last year year and a half that like the nfl is slowly turning into the nba like i can recruit people's mm-hmm. we can we can change contracts like let's make no mistake about it what jc jackson's getting paid is changing literally his entire family's life right like generational wealth that we will never see Right. And that's why we're here talking about it. And he's going in and earning it. Um, Like I was trying to have this conversation with my wife, not to bring her into this, but like talking about the Debo thing. Like I was like, we're splitting fucking hairs, 19 million, 22 million, 3 million a year. Like it's still more money than any of us would ever know what to do with. But like it matters because like it's setting markets, how you're being recognized, how you're being remembered. You know, you're being paid commensurate, et cetera. So this is like an, a really odd time, especially for all of us who uh, I feel like have been NFL fans for a long, long, long time. Lou always says this, like, this ain't your daddy's NFL anymore, right? This ain't the NFL that we grew up on. It's it's uh, it's drastically different. All right, so I'll digress there. Craig, I- I'm going to throw it over to you. Which topic do you want to lead us into? Okay, so I guess we can – Make it a little spicy now. So let's go for biggest boom or bust prospect. And um, I'm going to throw that back to you, Weston. What do you think? Oh, oh. so you're going to pick the topic and then throw me out there. All right, <laughs> get, Jesus. Get, get cooked, Weston. Get working. He's God. working. <laughs> Reinventing the rules right in front of me. All right. So there's get a couple cooked. There's a couple people um, that I, that were are, are top of mind. These are all first-round products. Um, I'm going to go with Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. I just think I don't love workout warriors. I don't like, there's nothing about it. Like Lou will tell you, I'm not a big combine guy. I'm not a big pro day, pro day guy. I'm a tape guy. Like I just watch tape and don't get me wrong. Right. Like he, so the boomer bust for me always depends on where they're drafted. Right. Like it's hard to label somebody a bust. If they're a fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick or undrafted, right. It's about where you, what you're going to invest into this player like, are they going to exceed expectations or not, right? And with Trayvon, I think he's got that workout warrior, you know, to me, screams plenty of upside. But the tape at Georgia tells me a different story. Like, it doesn't, like, there's nothing to me that honestly, like, stands out. There's no dominating the opposing side um you know it just it's not it's not super sexy to me and i know and as an edge player like i want sexy like i want domination and the grade outs of him you know based on his play like they're 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 not that and and to me the tape tells no lies like do i think he is capable of being a boom prospect i sure do but i think he is equally as capable of being a bust prospect that's my thought and Craig, since you threw me on the spot, I'm throwing you right back on, dude. I didn't mean to break the rules. That was 1,000%. Like, I, 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 I got man. lost in it for a second, so I was like, I'm supposed to actually give my answer first. But um, you know what? Just to piggyback off of that really quick. So I've been a Trevon Walker fan before all of the athletic testing and everything. And I was kind of on an island by myself for a bit, but it's because I realized something watching his actual film. Like, the traits were there, but this is more of a projection pick. And I saw that just from watching him on tape. They moved him around a bunch. So he was a man without a true home. But when he flashed, it was ridiculous. And then when I saw him move around in space, like literally encourage him like a dude that's 275 pounds is not supposed to move like that. And it's not just moving around in space, change of direction too. like 
he's lost like outside contain on guys before literally stuck his foot into the ground i can't remember what game this is right now but it blew my mind stuck his foot in the ground and literally lunged back the opposite direction and caught the dude with one arm and i'm like again wait i'm sorry this dude's 275 and then he just goes and backs it up in the combine with the freakish testing and so it's kind of like okay that solidified it for me now this top five pick stuff that's a little too much for me so, so I, hold on right there right though yeah right like if he's a top five pick, I mean, listen, Trent Baalke is a general manager, right? This guy could literally go one because Trent Baalke, nobody loves workout warriors more than uh, Trent Baalke, I promise you, right? Um, but if, what you just said, that top five pick stuff, if he is picked in the top five, that puts him in a position where if he doesn't exceed your expectations, it's a bust, right? Well, yeah, that's definitely an overdraft. But at this point, it's not that he doesn't have the talent to be that type of player. It's just like what you said, though. The numbers don't line up with top five pick. So if he goes in the top five and he doesn't perform like top five out the gate, then it would be easy to kind of deem him to be a bust because you have high expectations. But you're basing that all of like just traits, what you saw in athletic testing and some of the stuff you saw on film. But at the end of the day, um, it's kind of being set up to fail, honestly, if you ask me. And it is all about where he ends up going that kind of tells the tell on how his career goes but um uh, we kind of got sidetracked when i was piggybacking but my guy and i know this is probably going to be a little bit of a hot take is kyle hamilton believe it or not um from notre dame yeah um i like it I love, my I reason love being, it. Tell me more. I, I'm, I'm catching a lot of heat for, uh, for it because people are saying oh well because of like the testing he might fall to 17 and the charger should definitely nab him and i'm thinking yo i mean i get it most people have him as like somewhere in between their top. They, most people have them him in their top ten at some point, somewhere within the top ten. I don't think and he when I was from Houston, like when Houston's there, like I yeah, don't think he, I don't think he gets past Houston. But when I watched it on tape, here are some of the things that I noticed that kind of threw me off about him, like which is exactly why I think he has to be a scheme fit player because he could actually be and probably be a decent off ball linebacker if anything yeah. else because he lacks. Some of the things that are required to be like this move safety, like people want him to be a hybrid like Derwin, but he's not Derwin at all. He doesn't have the same type of athleticism as Derwin. And actually, the thing that Derwin lacks, he lacks more of in its short area quickness. Derwin's change of direction is OK. Hamilton's is worse than his. So I've seen Hamilton like play in slot and get completely cooked by wide receivers one on one with just base off the line package moves and their routes are not overly you know over the top eccentric stuff he just cannot move swivel his hips get out of breaks and mirror and match wide receivers very well so if you want to put him in a situation where you want to line him up in the slot or make him a single high safety yeah like that one play against i think it was florida state where you see him come from the opposite hash to pick that ball off the thing that I noticed about that was, OK, it's cool. It was a really athletic play, but I think he's smarter than he is instinctive because mm -hmm. you can see the quarterback looking to the opposite side of the field the entire time. Once he realized his responsibility was taken care of, he just started cheating to that side. So then when the quarterback finally throws the ball, the other thing most people don't realize is the ball was underthrown. So he had less room to have to cover to get to the ball. He picks it off and it looks amazing. But. That's a great highlight play. But when you watch him in coverage and for what people want him to do as far as moving around, I don't think he has that ability, not to the you know extent that most people believe he does. So to me, it's all about scheme. He's a split safety. If you want to play him like in a star position, cool. 
Um, just make sure you don't have him manned up on wide receivers one-on-one. Tight ends, he can handle. Wide receivers, I think he's he's got problems, unless he's got help over the top. Yeah, Craig, I agree with that. I was uh, reading something that teams are kind of scary. He's a little bit of a betweener. Is he that safety? Is he a will linebacker? Uh, for those all those same exact reasons that you just mentioned. So I, th- I think that's a great uh, uh, boomer bust prospect right there. I mean, I've seen that guy – on some people's the, the number four overall four pick, rated yeah. prospect, you know what I mean? But th- that was early. And I've seen since the testing, right. When you look at like all the athletic stuff, like that has certainly slipped a little bit. I've seen him as low as 20 in drafts. I've seen him as high as eight, nine depending, but Craig on you, man, who's, who's uh, answering the question next. Jason, what you got, my man. All right. So, that What's that Grizzly score real quick? Very, What's no, that Grizzly score very, real quick? <laughs> oh, the, the uh, by the way, the Grizzlies won. <laughs> they were down 20-something. They came is back it two, and they won. Is it 2-1 one or 1-1 one, one now? It's 2-1 now. Okay, it's cool. Two, now. Yeah, I'll break another mirror. Let me know your parlay. I'll break another mirror for you, man. I, hey, I, I had the Grizzlies, and they were down 20-something points in the first half. And Patrick Beverly was making short comments and whatever. Who cares? Patrick Nobody's Beverly. here for that. <laughs> Patrick Beverly, yeah. You know what? I want to say this about what Craig said. I think that is very much a fair, fair assessment, and more of what people need to do is challenge the guys that you are automatically consensus, whatever it is. Because when you start to look back at certain drafts and you start to look at what's the value of a first-round pick and how many people actually hit, you start to realize that out of the 32, it's much less than 16 that have impact guys in the first round. Some of these guys were labeled can't miss and all those things. I love the challenging of the consensus with that as well. Okay. Now, I'm going to make every 49er fan upset now (laughs) because my prospect that I feel is boomer bust is a wide receiver that 49ers fans are completely enamored with and I feel like has hyped himself completely out of wherever it is the 49ers are going to be drafted. That's Christian Watson. And for me, he has the largest range of outcomes for any receiver. We have seen guys test very well. We have seen guys run down the field. We have seen guys be big, strong, fast. He needs to work on his contested catches. There, For as many guys that have profiled as the next guy, there's a Sammy Coates. There's other receivers like that. I'm not trying to tell you that that's what he is. But from what I saw and what 49er fans have been pushing in my face has been more about Well, he played with Trey Lance, and look at Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. How dare you even (laughs) try to send that comparison in any way? Because that has no correlation in terms of what these guys have done. If you want to be enamored with the the running, the the jumping, the speed, all of that, you want to be in it? Cool. Like, that's fine. What I see is a guy who, when he's faced with a little bit of better competition, and I got a chance to watch him up close at the Senior Bowl, he did pretty well. He did pretty well. I'm talking about NFL guys now. Now you've got to – and now you've hyped yourself into a portion where you're going to be in the first round. Like, I would very much be surprised if he doesn't make it out of the first round and the Chiefs or the Packers, one of those two teams, pick him. And it doesn't have to be that the Packers pick two receivers, but I'm just I'm projecting him to be a fit for those teams, and they would they would look at that. But with Christian Watson, I see a guy where you see all the raw ability, the route running needs to work. You just didn't see it against competition, and I'm not the guy who goes you know against the whole 
hey, he played at this school or he went over there because I've been trying to debunk that with Justin Fields and many other um, people who have come from a long lineage of people who haven't succeeded at his position in that school to, to break that mold. So I'm not, I'm not coming to you and saying that nobody who played in that, that sort of competition with Christian Watson and Trey Lance, because obviously I think the world of Trey Lance, but it's just for me, I need to see a little bit more and the way that he's being hyped as if let's just say the 49ers make a move from Debo Samuel. Oh, well just draft Christian Watson. How dare you make that sort of like, like comparison? How dare you think that that's the fix right away from something like that. So for me, it's just, it's him and the hype has, has pushed me a little bit to be more critical because I want to find the things that I don't like because everybody's good when things are going their way and, and things are in their right direction. So for me, it's Christian Watson. Yeah. You said everybody's good when things go their way and nothing's gone more in one player's direction that I've seen in a long time than Christian Watson. I mean, we're talking about pre-senior bowl late day two, most likely early day three guy to like day one, like night one, like this guy's number might get called. And the point that you made that I resonates the most with me is like just the short term memory and recency bias of 49er fans specifically. Yes. I'm calling you out, but NFL fans in general, like, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase is not the same thing as Trey Lance. And you're talking about national championship at the FB, uh, FC, FBS level, right? And, like, I I literally – keep me honest here. Did I did I or did I not say that Jamar Chase was the best player in the NFL draft last year? He was your year? guy. He was your guy. My guy. Christian Watson is not the best player in the NFL draft. Not even close. So, like, to make those – those comparisons like is just like dumbfounding to me. Do I think to your point, boomer bust, right? Like he's got everything you're looking for size, speed, all of that contested catching, but like there's still a lot of maturation that needs to take place in that gentleman's game. And, and he could be right. Like, what do we know? Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Christian Watson could be a hall of famer, but he could also well, be you the said next boomer coach story. Yeah. No, you're right, dude. Right. You're 100% right. I'm not boomer saying he's bust. a bust, but yeah. you said, you said boomer bust. So I feel yeah. like he only has two real outcomes. That's like it. either he's going to live up to what's that's going it. on or he's going to not. And, and that's where it's going to be because of the hype. If he goes in the first round, it, it, it looks yeah. more like it smells a lot more like bust than it smells. Boom is what. Yeah. Really I don't like it in the first round. I really don't, man. Like, you know, look, just a, a quick peek into mine, I, I I go against the consensus. I have Sky Moore as my wide receiver four in this draft, you know, besides the, the top three. Like, I've got three guys that that I, I will not get off of. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, and um, – and, Don't, oh don't goodness, give too much. How am I blanking on this? And, and, and Olave, right? Like, yep. those are my three. But Sky Moore's four for me. And yep. that's not a popular opinion. But, again, I'm betting over here. on certain things. Right, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So, again – I I'm just like trying to go through my process when it comes to this. Like there's a lot of guys that are here, but I feel like Christian Watson's going to be taken ahead of sky Moore somehow, but I don't feel that they're, they're going to end up in that same way. Hey, and just the, we're sitting here talking about just the difference in where they played. Um, I mean, and this has been said already when you're talking about the FBS, it's like you're jumping two levels. So you're going from FBS. You haven't played at the top levels of football, not power five stuff in um, D1 ball, and then you jump into the NFL from there. So, I mean, you proved yourself somewhat against some of the better competition at the senior bowl, but let's be honest, like not all the best players 
are at the senior bowl. So with that being, I think that gets confused. I hear it said all the time. Oh, he's playing with the top of the top competition. Well, nah, not all those dudes are the best in the nation. They're seniors that got invited to the game for one reason or another, but they're not always the top. I mean, they're definitely guys that are underclassmen that are more, you know, as far as a- athleticism is concerned or just overall skill and ability of better players. But, yeah, I mean, he's got a tough road to hoe, and it's great that you went out there and you performed at the senior bowl. Senior bowl. It's great that you have a fantastic RAS score. Well, now you got to step it up and go play with the big boys. And just another nugget, I'm a Louisiana guy. I'm a Miami Hurricanes college fan. That's my football team. But LSU is in my heart. And I'm. it's funny because actually Justin Jefferson, when he was a kid, well, first of all, he's from my neighborhood where I grew up. And he went to my uh, my wife's mother runs a daycare and he attended the daycare. So I watched him grow up from a kid. He went to my uh, town's high school and he was just OK in high school. And he goes to LSU and he's OK at LSU until his connection with Burrow starts. And then he turns into what he is now. When Jamar Chase went to a rival high school of mine. So I saw him since he was younger. And these are guys where you looked at him and I was just like, oh, they're pretty good. And then they go to LSU and then they go into the league. And now you're talking about two of the best players at their position in the entire league. So it just goes to show you, man, I I hadn't even heard about Buddy from uh, North Dakota State until Mm -hmm. this year, until the draft cycle started. So what does that say? I mean, we heard about Trey Lance. His, I mean, what was he? He was a junior. Did he go? He came out of junior after junior year. So I heard about him. Yep. Yeah, so I'd already been hearing about him. I didn't hear about, you know, what's his face again? Sorry, blank on his name. Christian Watson. I I hadn't heard about Watson until this offseason. There you go. See, I can't even keep his name in my mind. He's a good kid, though. Like, he does does everything that you want, right? Like, he says all the right things, and, like, he's a very respectable young man, for sure. But, again, we're just talking about the field. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry, Greg. No, you're good, man. No, I was just saying it – we can't just assume that somebody like that is going to come in and take the league by storm. Um, I mean, having the physical tools is awesome, but level of competition matters. And you can't just assume that. And like you mentioned, Sky Moore, I'm a huge Sky Moore guy um, for he a few months now. There with you guys. He would fit over there with you guys. Oh, be, so so well. And, and I already got stuff pinned on Twitter and I got stuff loaded up because I'm a person that likes to keep receipts. So everybody that I was high <laughs> on, I love I've been be people petty. I've been high on for months. You're not going to hit me with the, oh, so now all of a sudden you just got, no, no, no. Let's go back to January. <laughs> Remember when this wasn't popular and I was like, hey, watch out for this dude. Nobody mm-hmm. cared. Yeah, right there. Yeah. So, no, nah, I mean, Petty Pendergrass. I hear Petty Pendergrass. Coming. Isn't it coming out it. a little bit? <laughs> Petty, Petty White, Petty again, again, so it's able to look through the competition, able to look through the school that you went to, and you're starting to look at the player itself. And that's the thing is, Sky Moore went to Western Kentucky. So everybody's kind of, and, and when I put him at four, everyone was like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, okay, well, we'll compare notes. And, you know, I had him ahead of Drake London and Traylon Burks, who everybody loves, but I, I, there's something about what he does that that I have him before, and that's what makes the the draft evaluation process so fun. All right, Lou, I'm actually going to yeah, I'm going to actually stay with the wide receivers, and you know, Jason, you know, fantastic segue. Uh, first of all, I have to uh, you know forewarning, I'm a fan of this player, but I, I personally, and this might be a little hot take, but I think he's a real big boomer bust. Jason said his name, Traylon Burks, and let me tell you why. 
Uh, he's being in the mention in the same type of name, the same categories as your, you know, your Debo Samuel, your AJ he's Brown. Right. He's big. He, he's strong. He has good hands. He's physical. He's a good run after the catch type of guy. I get it. Had great production out there in Arkansas. However, on the other flip side of the coin, he shows up. Apparently, he shows up to the combine. You know, you know, out of shape. Now there's knocks on his route running. He has trouble separating at times. The name that's starting to pop up into my head, and like I think a lot of other teams had. I'm not saying a player like, but it's that Laquan Treadwell type of you know uh, player. Mm. Uh, I, listen, listen, this is not me. I was listening to Tony Paul, no, and, right. and this is what they were saying that like I'm, I'm looking for new hosts of the We're Talking I, Football. No, nah, he's spitting though. He's spitting. <laughs> listen, I'm, uh, this is not my opinion. I told you I like Tra- I I love Traylon Burks, but I think it's a boomer bust because it, it's ultimately you know depends on where he's going. And if he's going to the Packers, woo, they, that's going to be a boom. But if he's going to go to a wide receiver team, a wide receiver needy, needy team that doesn't have an established quarterback, I don't think he's going to save that quarterback. I don't think he's going to save that, um, you know, save that offense. Let's talk about the Jets because I know the Jets really like them. I'm not saying they're going to pick him at 10 or what have you, but maybe the Jets don't. Maybe they go edge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe they move up because don't forget last year they moved up for ABT, uh, Tucker, Vera Tucker. That's true. They have a lot of picks and they can move up. Get their Bur- still get Burks. I don't think that's a good fit. I mean, they also have, uh, you know, more from uh, Ole Miss. I think it'll really be like overlapping. But depends on where he goes. I think is, is uh, going to be like his like the main uh, the main uh, if he's going to be a boom or a bust type of prospect. All right, I, I feel a large obligated. range of outcomes. I feel like yeah. out of all the wide receivers, that's all I'll say. Yeah. He just has the yeah. largest range of outcomes. Like I love him too, and I want him to succeed, but I don't know. Yeah. He could uh, literally be the best receiver in this class, yes. or he could literally be like nobody. And and yeah. and I don't even know if I could say that about Christian Watson. So here, here lies the rub for me, Lou. I think this is actually based on how I feel about Traylon. This is actually like, and I was just joking with you, like this is a perfect boomer bust type prospect because my my gut, my intuition when I watch tape on Traylon, like. I'm a big tape guy and the tape screams like I'm dominant in the SEC and what he does with the ball in his hands is special. It's different. It is Debo esque. I don't, I don't care if he showed up a little overweight. I don't, I don't like, I don't really don't care about any of that. Like what he does and what the way he uses his frame and his body for contested uh, catches and has so much experience out of the slot. It, it just – it hits differently. Like, I am a huge Traylon Burks fan. Like, Jason just said, he could be the best or he could be whatever. He is my number one wide receiver in this draft class. Oh, and wow. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Craig. That's Craig, spicy. Thank you. Thank you. And That's the reason spicy. Why, That's spicy. And I'll – listen, cut it. Put it on Twitter like you always do, Lou, when you want to shout me out. And when I'm wrong, I will take Lou, my cut I keep I keep receipts too, motherfucker. Yeah, <laughs> I will. Cut the receipt on this one. I'll Woo. take 150 fucking victory laps if and when I yeah. am right. But the reason why is just because the tape, the tape tells me what I need to see. And he plays in the SEC, he plays in the toughest division in collegiate football, and he dominates. He faces the best on the defensive side of the ball. And he dominates when the ball is in his hands. He is special. He, I, I just like, it's hard to ignore that. And here's the, here's what I'm talking about, right? Like, okay. So 20 plus wide receivers ran faster than him at the combine. Don't care. He, he, he separates. He's intelligent with his body. You know who else doesn't run real well? 
but is really intelligent with his body. And Lou, you and I labeled him as a top 10 wide receiver going into last season. And he's had poor quarterback play. We understand that. And I do agree with you. Quarterback is going to be instrumental here. Allen Robinson, right? Like we all talk about Allen Robinson is a very talented wide receiver. Does he stand off the charts? Remember a guy named Alshon Jeffrey? I know he's bigger and different, but like everybody's like slow, sluggish, blah, blah, blah. Don't care. Still ate up the NFL when he was and had quarterback play. And they're not the same body. I get all of that. But what I'm telling you is Tate don't lie. And Traylon Burks is a fucking stud. And when the ball is in his hands, he's going to do special things. But you're right. It is it is a boom or bust. But I'm telling you, I'm, I'm my bet. And Craig, I, I know you feel me. My, my bet is on boom all day long. With yeah. Burks. And I just want to go ahead. Go ahead Jason. I have him one like and confidently. At one, it's okay, I'm, but it's okay to say it. I for me, I feel like you could say those same things because I feel those same things too, right? Like I, I have, I have Burks at uh, where do I have him? one, two, three, four, five? I got him sixth, sixth, just because I still acknowledge and give myself the doorway of saying, hey, he could be number wide receiver one. He's big boomer bust. <laughs> like, yeah, no. Heads up, but, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, heads up. Here's my here's my hedge. Like here's my little you know um. But yeah, no, look, I agree. And 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 again, I think this is what makes the evaluation process so fun, right? We are talking about me and Lou talking about a guy who has a boomer bust potential and he played in the SEC. I feel much more confident in Sky Moore, who played at Western Kentucky, coming in and immediately, no matter the fit, no matter the scheme, impacting the game than I do him immediately. But Again, that's what makes us fun. That's what makes us check our notes the next year and look back and say, hey, this is where I, you know, looked at it. And, and I think that's what makes the discussion fun, especially so, so, when it comes to – I love receivers. That, that's my me thing. Too. I love me too. So I'm, I'm a former receiver, so. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. There you go, Craig. Me as well, and I'm just going to assume, Craig, not the same level as you, but me as well. Um, but so, Jason, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask all of you a question. What trait or what characteristic usually contributes to a wide receiver coming out of college – having an immediate impact in terms of where, where they have experience lining up. Right. I, I, slot. For me, the slot, yeah, right? Yeah, like, like the slot, like they, if they, if they have experience lining up in the slot, they can do those things. And Traylon Burks at a six, two, 225 pound guy played a lot out of the slot. Like he did that. Like, and, and what do you, what can you do with slot receivers? You can find unique opportunities to get them the ball. Lou, I agree with you. I'm not uh, disputing real, real, boom yeah. or bust. Real quick, I'm just, real I'm taking my opportunity to give you all of the film that you need I, and I all the receipts you, that him. you need to say that this is my guy. But here's the thing. You want to talk about boom or bust. Uh, Arkansas ran a lot of similar uh, concepts as the, the old Baller offense that produced Corey Coleman and uh, Denzel Mims. You want to talk about boomer bust? Those this, guys. This is not Corey Coleman. I'm not. I'm not Mims. saying, but a you know similar offense, similar schemes, wide receiver friendly type stuff. Just saying. Just saying. Craig, just get saying. in here. Craig, get in here right now. Yo, okay. I need, I need your so, backing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Why is everyone forgetting what I'm saying? First, I I love Traylon Burks. I love it. All right. So here's my thing, and I've been fighting Traylon Burks hate for weeks now particularly with the one Mr. Lance Zerline from NFL Network. Um, <laughs> we actually had an exchange on Twitter. It was interesting. So this is what I don't understand. Why is it – what changes in between the end of the year and the draft with players? They don't play any games. So the only thing that takes place is the Underwear Olympics. And anybody who follows me on Twitter knows that the thing that 
for me, above everything else, is always going to be tape over tights, no matter what. So if you're telling me that this dude went out in the SEC, just like Wes said, toughest places to play in all of college football, if not the toughest, and he improved every year and gets to the point of being dominant on a team that lacked a bunch of offensive weapons while he was their main weapon on offense. So it wasn't a secret who was getting the ball. We're not talking like an LSU who's got like three, four, five-star wide receivers that they can throw to at any given time or four or five-star running backs they can hand the ball off to any any given play. We're talking about a guy who essentially every week, every team knew that we have to do something to stop him, and they couldn't in the SEC. So what I'm trying to figure out is how is it that a dude that does this can now start falling down people's boards after having done nothing to prove that he can't be a type that type of player at the next level of course he has to get on the field to prove it but like i'll give you a comparison because there's clearly like some sort of hate train i'm not saying it's you lou it's a bunch of other people that are doing this now so burks goes to the combine and we can all tell just from watching film that he's not a quick accelerator he's got long speed you yes. see him destroy angles against alabama alabama for the mississippi what, 50, state 60? game when he caught that bomb and he was like stumbling and somehow, yeah. And still outran the corner for a touchdown. We're talking about guys, who, a guy who's catching screen passes and still breaking for 50 or 60 yards. That's not a four, five, five dude. What that is, is it's a six foot two, 225 pound guy who's not fast within the first 10 to 20 yards. But once the train gets rolling, you can't catch him. That's so like a gazelle. What, he what like I a can't gazelle. understand for the life of me is, and here's a comparison because it's another I'm just going to throw this out here because I know people love him, but I have my questions. Drake London. I won't even get into that. My issue is, is that when you're talking about Traylon Burks, people want to nitpick at things that they find to be an issue. It's like, oh, he ran four, five, five. Well, yeah, but on his second run, he ran four, five, oh, but nobody talks about that. It's only the four, five, five. Meanwhile, you've got Drake London who shows up he and everyone run. says he's six, five and he measures in at six, three, seven. But you and, and now you still hear him talked about as if he's six foot five. It's a narrative. Like, so for some reason, people just don't want to like Traylon Burks. And then like to harken back to my little exchange with Lance Erline, and I'm getting long winded here. Um, Lance makes a post about Traylon and his weight. And so I comment on, well, tape over tights, my man. You're talking about how he ran and how he showed up at the combine. And this dude clearly can perform at 220 plus because he just did it in the SEC. Well, uh, you know, people are complaining about we don't understand how his weight is going to be. I'm like, well, we could talk weight issues about other people who showed up to the combine, lost weight and performed well. I, I mean, the weight thing can fluctuate. We get it. They're professional athletes. They'll get into these professional systems. They'll have dietitians, people that help them with that. But you can't tell me the dude that did that and got better year over year is suddenly going to get to the NFL and now suck and just blow it all. Because there's nothing about his work ethic that I ever heard that said he wasn't, he's going to show up and loaf it at the next level. This dude goes as far to contact Traylon Burks's coach who he's working with in the offseason, try to dig more information up only for the coach to tell him, I'll put my career on it. You, I'll vouch for that dude any day. He works hard as anyone I've ever worked with. And then he stopped talking. It's like, okay, Lance, go back to NFL Network and on your high horse and <laughs> take that on with you because little old me i didn't know what the hell i was talking about and i guess you just got sunned by me but you don't have to talk to me ever again so you stop talking but we're you know about, whatever we're, I, knew gonna, gonna, I knew this was gonna be a hot take yeah we're about to all that all that said all that said 
all that said is all that to say is that dude's my wide receiver one. Yeah, just is. Hey. hey. This wasn't rehearsed either, right? So this is, um, and I love it, Craig. You are welcome back. Me and Lou, me and Lou against Weston and Craig. That's it. That's wow. it. That's it, man. That's it. That's it. Um, all right, United by last name, Smith and Smith. That's how we roll. There you go, um, man. Let's do it. All right, because we can go all night. I got definitely want. I want to be respectful of all yours time, and I want to like. I mean, I'm, I, I'll I'll stay on this conversation train. I don't care. I'll let my wife divorce me. We'll be all. By the good, way, man. I have Drake London pretty low in my rankings as well, too. But I'm with you too. I'm with I, you. I think I, we can all agree on that. Then I'm not on. I that got him at guys, seven, but guys, but guys, guys, let's let's, let's combat chatter now. I I'm we got to promote. We got to promote Drake London. Promote Drake London to. Oh, be, so he, someone overdrafts him. Yes, got it. he's phenomenal. He's six eight. Uh, he runs a four two three. Uh, you have no one's ever seen him like a no, New York there, Jet there are, there are whispers of him actually running, but it, it, it floats like 50 cent stories up here in, in the Northeast. Where it's <laughs> I heard he went like his Batman. He was shot and he went to the barbershop after and yeah, things yeah. like that. That's Got, straight under running. Guys, you didn't, hear, you didn't hear the, the fire alarm went off because he ran so fast. There was smoke behind him. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's exactly what <laughs> it is. Right. He's a flash. Let's, let's, do it. let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Great. Jason, that's on you, man. Which question you want to roll with? So give me a sec so I can pull all these back up. But uh, this is this is great. I think we should go with how many quarterbacks are going to be drafted in mm. round one. All and right. I think this discussion is something that is fluid, like many things that are, go on with the draft, right? You know, being at the Senior Bowl, you see Pittsburgh, you see Mike Tomlin there. Mike Tomlin spoke with Malik Willis for 45 minutes off to the side. I mean, of course, he's doing his due diligence. What they're doing right now with Mitchell Trubisky implies a stopgap into a guy that, that can start for much cheaper than the 49ers tried to do that. Sorry, I, I, I couldn't let that go. All right, but at the same time, um, Matt Corral, uh, Sam Howell, Kenny Pickett. For me, this feels like a very barren quarterback draft. Like, I don't feel good about many of these prospects. And I think that Malik is quarterback one by a fair margin, by a fair margin at this point. Um, so how many will go? What is what 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 do the Lions do early on? And then remember the Lions are on the, the bookends, right? Like they're 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 at the at the end too as well, too. So they don't have to do anything at one stupidly, right? They could literally go Aiden Hutchinson, the one with bat and eye, or you know, anything that you know, Aiden Aiden's getting a little bit of too much hype, in my opinion, in the same way. Like, you know, when you oh. start to say, is he one of the bolsters? I think you need to that's chill the hell take. out. That's a, I, think you need to, I, I think you need to chill the hell out. Like, chill out. Chill out. <laughs> uh, but anyway, we're not here for any of this or that. I really feel that Dan Campbell's going to prioritize him. They're going to take him. He's going to be held up to that standard. And, yeah, you know what? We'll get the dunk on that take later on. But Malik, I think, is quarterback one. I think Picky gets taken because there's a large discussion around pro-ready and things like that. And no one can ever tell you what pro-ready means. That I, I really hate that term, you know, because we all kind of knew that Mac was going to come in and be the, the guy who was across the board, consistent, solid that entire time. 
but pro ready really implies baseline when you start to say things like that, right? Like it's just like Trevor Lawrence wasn't exactly pro ready, but I think that many people have the mind that he's going to lift over that, right? Like because of his talent. Now who knows if he will because of Jacksonville and everything. And you know, who knows how that goes, but with quarterbacks, let me set the number. I'll set it at four. What's the over under on four quarterbacks going in the first round? Wow. I'm going to say under. Okay. I'm going to say under. I got three. Same. Same. I was saying under three. That's That was my number. And I'll give you Willis. I'll give you Pickett. And I'll give you Ritter. And looking at – I'm going to – I'm, I'm stealing the ball from Jason, by the way. Sorry. I'm just being – No, no, no. Right we're now. good. We're good. I think that was okay. a good segue. I'm trying to pass Okay. Yeah, this was – fucking couldn't plan it better. Okay. So, you got the usual suspects. You got Carolina. Uh, you got New Orleans, Pittsburgh, and Seattle. Uh, then you got some wild card teams at the back end. You got Tennessee. I'm telling you, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised by them. And you got Detroit. Now you start looking at the teams in the front end of round two that can ma- maybe now start creeping up. You got the Giants, Eagles, and Colts towards the end of the to the toward the beginning of the front end. I'm thinking that's three right there. Uh, maybe Ritter goes towards a little towards the back end. But uh, I'm going to say three. I can't justify four. I just ahead, said it over under four, like, again, like, like yeah. for you to go under, you know. But, like, four is a good number because, there, you know what? There's still a world where four go, though. And, yeah. and, and for the same reasons that you just implied, maybe someone loves something about a quarterback that we don't love. I don't love any of these quarterbacks. I no. promise you. Like, Malik, Malik is quarterback one in my eyes, hands down. But – I had Justin Fields as the guy that I really liked, and I don't think he's Justin Fields level at this point. Mm-mm. But again, this is where we're at, like right now with the with the discussion. So I'm interested to hear yep. the other okay. opinions. Go ahead, Craig. It's a scary, scary QB class, and when you're talking about QB one, and I mean no disrespect, bias, it's like literally smartest kid, dumbest class situation. Like <laughs> probably, probably. I what I can't figure out right now at this point, and who I'm struggling with. I want to say that it's definitely going to be Ritter as the third QB off the board, but something about Corral keeps bothering me. I don't know what it is, but I can't figure out. And that's why now that I'm talking myself through it, I feel like it's three, but if it ends up being four, I won't be shocked because someone's going to talk themselves into Matt Corral. If Matt Corral goes before Ritter, I think if, if Corral goes before Ritter, then there will be four QBs taken in the first round. Craig, this uh, this Carson Strong disrespect will not continue. <laughs> what was I thinking, man? But he's pro ready. He's pro yeah, ready. Well, pro I mean, ready. What, like, that's, that's technically, about. so is what's his name? Bailey's happy. Like, what, what? <laughs> oh no, oh please, please, oh my god! I've please, heard some no. wild stuff. I've heard please, some no. wild stuff about this. No, at the senior bowl, he threw a pass, and I I looked at somebody and I was like, "Who was that?" And I like I like he told me the name, and I just like ripped it. I was like, "All right, I'm done here." I mean, I've heard some people say that if I mean he played, apparently he played injured this year, like literally should not have been playing on doctor's advice, and essentially went out there. They made like this warrior story about him. And um, he's on one leg and they were like, well, look what he did on one leg. So this is what we're doing. This is the type of reaching we're doing for this QB class. Now we're making excuses for dudes who in any other decent class, you wouldn't hear their name. So, I mean, I get it. You got to drum up some narrative for QBs because like 
they're the face of football. So I have a class like this. Literally, there are dudes now. I mean, what, what are you guys, your opinion? If if Malik is like your number one QB in this class in a regular year, what would he fall in as far as like, let's say a top three? Would he if be he in a top in three last, in a regular year? If he was so. last year, if he was in last year's draft, he's the sixth quarterback that I would feel. And and that's without me knowing what Davis Mills was going to do in Houston. Right. Seriously. Because Davis Mills was the second best rookie quarterback last year. Mm-hmm. It was that's- Mac. It was Davis Mills. And then after that, it's like whatever you wanted to label it for whatever reasons. Zach had problems with, you know, the team that he was with. Jacksonville is obviously a dumpster fire. Justin was done no favors, but he still showed some of those things. So that's the thing. It's it's all perspective to the class, Craig. And I, and I think that's a great point because if Trey Lance was QB, it was, was in his draft, he's the first pick. Mm. And I don't think that you could say the same if you went the other way with any mm-hmm. of the guys that are in this draft. Yep. So – Here's what creates this problem, right? If I'm a general manager, clearly I'm not. Um, if I was a general manager, there's not a single one of these is on that's on day one of my draft board at all. But why are quarterbacks on day one of a draft board? Because of a couple things. New coaches, new regimes. What coach, what coach, what do coaches get judged on most by? What who they draft, what quarterback they draft, right? That's where they hang their hat. And everyone loves the allure of the fifth-year option, right? Mm-hmm. And that rookie quarterback contract. None of these guys in, in my – and it's not a knock on them, right? Like, I mean, is there a better story in the entire offseason than the video that shows, like, Malik, Malik Willis literally handing money to that homeless guy, right, like, on the side, right? Like, that's – like phenomenal, like good for that guy. And I genuinely believe that is how he is, right? That's not an act. Like that's caught on a distant camera. I root for that. Like I a hundred percent root for those types of individuals. But the reality is like, that doesn't make you a, a day one draftable guy. I, I do agree that the X factor is the Detroit Lions. If Detroit Lions do the unspeakable, in my opinion, and draft Malik Willis number two overall, there's three quarterbacks that are taken in the first round. And I agree with you, Craig, it's either Ritter or it's Corral, right? And if Corral goes before Ritter, then all of a sudden we are talking a four. I'm going to set the under, I'm going to take the under and I'm going to go three because I don't think the Lions are going to take Willis number two overall. And I think that leaves them with the last pick in the first round. It's going to be Ritter or Corral. And I would bet, or I would wager that it's, it's Ritter in that particular instance. The discrepancy for me here a little bit is, I don't think there's – all right, so I'm biased, and I'm going to be the first one to say this. Pickett grew up in my backyard. I literally watched this kid play high school football. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player. He's a really intelligent player. He played at a different level than Malik Willis did. Now, what separates Malik Willis from, from Pickett is that arm and the mobility. Those yep. are the two biggest things, right? But when you say that term pro-ready, I think of – who is going to come in and digest an NFL playbook at an expedited pace, right? Like that's day one, day one ready, pro ready, instant start. And Malik is uber athletic. I think Pickett is uber intelligent, right? And I'm not trying to like put this big disparity between the two of them, but that's, 
my opinion is, and I, and I won't belabor points. We've all talked about it, but like, I, I can't reiterate enough that the only reason why these quarterbacks are even talking about being talked about in the first round is because there's first time head coaches out there that, or in their second, third year, they have to make, have to make a move, have to improve based on what they have. And they're going to hang their hat on a quarterback that causes you to reach that or, fifth year option causes you to reach, but I'm going to land at, I'm going to land at three. And I think it's going to go in order. Willis Pickett. And I think Ritter will be the number 32 overall pick in the draft. Or how about coaches that are trying to save their asses and their jobs? A, a, a la Matt Matt Rule. Nagy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say what Matt Nagy did last year and with Matt Rule. So is exactly. that hey, listen, you know what though? Real quick, Matt Nagy did try to save his ass. If it was a year earlier and this exact scenario played out, he might have he might have yeah. saved his ass. But his fate no, he was wouldn't. already <laughs> determined before those moves were yeah. were made for for Justin Fields was the right pick. It was the right move to go get Justin Fields. It just was a year too late for Matt Nagy and uh, okay. Pace. So I think that fifth year option thing with QBs gets overplayed because how many QBs that you know you want to keep do you allow to get to that fifth year? I think with other positions it makes sense, but QBs when you know you have your guy, he never sees that. So it's like. I hear a lot of people throw that out. I'm not saying it for you, Wes. I just mean no, in no, general. You can ridicule I, me, dude. We're nah, all good here. Nah, not at all. Because <laughs> I know, I know you didn't mean it like this. I know you didn't mean it like this. But what I hear a bunch is when people say fifth-year option, they like to use that for across the board any first-round pick. And it's like, okay, cool. But when it comes to a QB, if you've got your due, like, for instance, no, this is not a Chargers podcast, but here we are. Justin Herbert's not going to see a fifth-year option. That's not going to happen. Got no. It. Like, when you have your dude, you're going to get a contract worked out with him, not as soon as possible, but you're not going to let it be belabored to the point to where it becomes an issue because you don't want him thinking he's a lame duck. You don't want him asking questions about whether or not you really want him. So you're going to get him taken care of ahead of time. So, yeah, the 50 option thing is just I, I think it just gets misapplied to quarterbacks. And, and I, you're right. You're right. I think the the allure is. I have that time. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I have an extra year to make a decision mm -hmm. if things don't go well, because what do we know? What we, what do we know actually happens, right? A quarterback balls out either, you know, post their third year, you're going to sign them to this massive extension. They don't count against the cap for like anything in that fourth year. Right. Because everybody knows how to hide money in some capacity. So it's like you yeah. get four years of that like blessing but if you're a little uncertain even that fifth year if it's there and it's rarely ever used let's call it 13 14 15 million dollars that's still nothing for a starting quarterback, yeah, quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. that's like free right that's basically for free yeah but yeah i, I agree with craig Th those guys get into that fifth year option are your sam darnold's <laughs> baker mayfield yeah so like yeah. that baker's well on baker would be well on his way to one of those situations yeah, like if they pick up if they would pick up the fifth year he would be the person that it would happen to because i mean look uh, for all intents and purposes no dude didn't play super healthy but just as far as like attitude and everything else and the way he portrays himself, you might start asking yourself whether or not you want this dude to be the head or the face of your franchise. So it could yep. be just other things, not necessarily on the field related. So I could see somebody like that. It happening to, yep. but the dudes that you want, like you're, you're putting your stamp on them and you want them to be the guy you're knocking that out. Like you said, Weston, like after year three, year four, it's, it's that fifth year is not happening.
I'm, I'm going to hedge my bet and take it a step further that none of these guys see a massive contract extension after year three. That's just how I feel. I hope they do. Let's listen. I'm of the school of thought. I want everybody in the NFL to get paid. I am a fan of the NFL, right? Like if they're all getting paid, they're all playing well, they're all doing things like, and their window to earn their window of opportunity is much shorter than the rest of the world. Now I know it's in greater quantity, but it's like, what's the average shelf life of an NFL player? What? Three and a half years, right? Like, I mean, when you average across everybody, like it's a really small window injuries, things of that nature, but I digress. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get into a question and then I'll leave it up to you guys after we cover this one. Like if everybody wants to stick around for like one or two more, I uh, won't hold you, won't hold you to it. I know we all got pressing things to do. So I'm going to go back to the first question that was on your list. Um, Cause I feel like some of these other ones we definitely have like touched upon kind of like mm-hmm. inadvertently in these conversation topics, but I'm going to go on the over under of the saints making Lou said it at one and a half picks. In, I knew what in, I was doing. He, you know, I knew what I was doing. Talking to a bookie here, right? Like in one and a half picks in round one. And I will take the liberty of going first on this particular one because I want to want to call it the facts, right? They're currently sitting at 16 and 19. So I'm going to say the under. And here's why I feel it's the under. I don't agree with this, but it's the under. When this move was made by the Saints, right, to acquire that second first-round pick, like, it just has trade-up written all over it for the mere fact, like, I mean, they gave up five picks to secure two first-round picks. So they gave up their 18th to secure 16 and 19, essentially, but, like, next year's first seconds thirds like they gave up a lot to get there like why to sit at 16 and 19 right like what's the sex appeal or the allure to sit there and waddle in the middle of the first round to mortgage your future to do it the only thing that logically makes sense especially since you just foregone next year's number one and next year's number two to be a part of this is you're packaging those together and you're packaging packaging those together to move up potentially in the top, top 10 and it s- smells it smells like a very specific player and it smells like a quarterback like otherwise why are you doing this like why in god's name are you doing this i got i got you i, I can tell you why they're doing it so my I'm my answer crack. so my answer is the over and the reason why is because they lost their franchise left tackle and they need another wide receiver so my guess is they're looking for the best OT on the board and whatever their flavor is at wide receiver to compliment Michael Thomas because they kind of need, I mean, right now, their wide receiver in core, I don't know if you look at the depth chart, it ain't all that pretty. So OSU boys, Olave and, and Michael Thomas? It could be, I mean, it could be one of the Ohio State guys that land there. My, my guess is it's probably going to be another speed route runner guy as opposed to let's say like a trailing burks they're not going to look for someone else with size it's going to be another multifaceted wide receiver so which whichever one so i mean it could very well be an olave if he's still there at that point um but honestly i do think they're going for the two picks and here's the reason why before so if you trade up and you're looking to get a quarterback you think malik's gonna be the guy to take you kind of to the promised land year one because he needs time to develop so if you're not trading yes. up for him, then who's the quarterback you're going after? You're going after Pickett? I mean, okay, if you like 
Kenny Pickett. I could see him being kind of like made to be in that Drew Brees mold. I could understand that. But realistically for me, I look at it because you look at back at last season. They were five and two before um before what's um Winston, Winston, Winston got hurt. Winston, before yeah. Winston got hurt, they were five and two. So they're also four and zero oh in the division against Brady as a Buccaneer during the regular season. So they feel like they can already compete with the Bucs. So if you feel like you can compete with the Bucs and what you lost was an offensive tackle and you need another wide receiver, well, let me trade up, get two picks within the top 20, and I can probably take care of both of those things. And we'll ride with Jameis for like another year and see how it goes. If not, better quarterback class next year, and we'll try to figure out the QB situation then. All see, right, so, see, so Craig, devil's advocate, devil's advocate though, right? Like if not, better quarterback class next year and oh by the way i don't have my first round pick and i don't have my second round pick next year and i don't know what the free agent market looks like i think my my confusion around this and and i'm not trying to steal anybody's thunder is i don't honestly believe and i don't i honestly believe that nobody here believes that they're competing in the division like they're not this is not a playoff roster in my opinion it's not it's it's not a playoff roster well, why not though? What's that? It's the NFC. I, Anyone's a playoff roster. Well, right, NFC. and and and, and <laughs> when you look at the yeah. and when you look at their division, like I I I feel like they're the team that you should be more afraid of more than anybody who's probably going to win that division. Because, look, this is the hot take that I'll give, and Craig laid out the 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 scenario very well about quarterbacks. I think Jameis is way better than people are giving him credit for. And I think that he's going to play well during this time and they're going to win games and they, they have a roster where they can win games in this. Look, Atlanta's going to be starting Marcus Mariota. Carolina is Carolina. And now it's Atlanta, New Orleans, Carolina. What's the other team that I'm missing right now? Tampa. Oh, Tampa Bay. Tampa. The Bucs are going to win that division, hands down. You're missing hands Tom down. Brady. Hands down. Hands down going to win that division. Hands down. But let, let me ask you a question. This, this is the question I'll ask. Would you feel better about two teams from the South making the playoffs than three teams from the NFC West making the playoffs this year? What do you mean by feel better? Like what's more likely to happen? Well, yeah, you got. Yeah. yeah, he's he's assuming the fact that you're going, at least if you're with your history with the Bucks, right, in New Orleans, you're a, at least Bucks split one. Yeah, you, Bucks well, I'm not talking about. If you're, I'm from a New Orleans standpoint. You're splitting yeah. with the Bucks because you've had success during the regular season, right? So that's that's one win right there. And then you're playing the Panthers twice. That's probably two. Then you're playing the the Falcons twice. That's another that's two. two. More. So what are we? Uh, one plus one carry the seven divided by four. That's five <laughs> wins right there. That's five wins right there. Wait, Lou, hold on. Let me, Lou, let me interject real quick. Real quick. The only reason I'm saying this is just because being a Louisiana native, I know this. Those Falcon Saints games never go no, the way they're they different. They they're go. different. They're different. It never happens. The Falcons suck a lot of times and end up finding a way to split with the Saints. It always happens. I don't know why. It's just the rivalry. It's this the Saints, game they get Saints, up for. This Saints team can't afford to split with them, though. This no. Saints team, if they want to make the playoffs, they cannot. No, afford sorry, to I just wanted to. I just wanted to interject there because yeah, I think you're right about that. You look at the I roster know. and you think that because the Falcons ship by all intents and purposes suck this year, they'll find a way to get one of those games against the Saints. It just yeah, almost right. always happens. Okay, I think there's one portion of this equation that we're forgetting about who's missing in new orleans this year sean payton, sean payton. Oh. Sean payton. Gonna, what is the one gonna, sport they, 
in the world that coaching matters. It's the NFL. And to me, that is a huge – and to what I just said before about the quarterbacks in the first – right, people who take quarterbacks in the first round. You know who do that? New regimes. New regimes, new coaching. I, listen, I could be totally wrong. I'm just saying this reeks of – I'm going to get my guy. Like I'm going to, and I'm not saying that's their guy. Right. But like, I need to put myself in contention to get, so the, if, the if Malik is, Willis goes two overall, they're, they're staying pat. If he doesn't, the problem is, to go get him. the problem is Weston is that there's 12 teams of the 15 in the NFC that make the division, like uh, that make the playoffs now, like with the, with the way that the new rules are like, and, and, and I, I, it's just, when you start to look at the NFC as a whole, you have four division winners, right? Let's even just say as the 49er fan, the Rams win the, the NFC West. Yep. Tampa wins the South. Um, the East is going to be the Cowboys. And what, what am Packers I Packers in the, the North. Uh, Packers in the North. Yeah, the Packers. Packers win the North. Okay, cool. That's four. You got three other teams. Name those three other teams. Are you worried about the Giants, Eagles, Washington football team because I refuse to call them the commanders. No, I'm not calling them commanders. Well, maybe the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles. Maybe the Eagles. Maybe, yeah. Oh, that's maybe one. That's one. Okay. Now we're moving on and we're going to that same division. Tampa won. Falcons probably aren't going to make it. The Panthers aren't going to make it. That's two, right? So let me just like run with my narrative. The Saints have a spot here, like in their spot. <laughs> the NFC West, the 49ers are in, right? Right with Trey Lance, they're in the the Arizona Cardinals. Do what the Arizona Cardinals do. They impress in September and they show up in November and then in December and they're not good. And and, and the Seattle Seahawks start Drew Lock the entire year. <laughs> and then we move on to the Packers. The Lions are trash. Um, what what are the other teams that I'm missing Vi- here? Vikings, Vikings, Bears. Bears. Vikings make it. The Bears are in a, in, in a dog. Uh, are, are poor Justin Fields. He's in a dog walk of what he has to do. I literally just laid out a scenario where right there, seven teams make it, and the Saints are one of them. And so you, are you thinking they do, make? Are you thinking over or under on on these on the one and a half? Uh they're gonna take both their picks. I think. See, I think they're gonna take both their picks. I think that's crazy, and let me tell you why. I'm, I'm gonna go for uh, it. I know that's I, why you. I mean, you made the question, so of course yeah. you think it's crazy. Like, you wanna... <laughs> see, here, here's the thing. It's it just this. This reeks to me of the car, what happened with the Eagles and Carson Wentz. But I'm gonna have a little twist at the end, like the Usual Suspects movie. All right, so hear me out, Craig. I agree with you. Love everything you said. And as you're, if you're a general manager, you said they probably can get an offensive lineman and a wide receiver in the top 20, probably. If you're a general manager, are you really laying it out to the chance of probably? I think they trade up, but Weston, you're wrong. It's not for a quarterback. I think they try to trade up for a stud left, uh, uh, left tackle. I think they go up, secure the left tackle. They've done crazy shit like this before with Marcus Davenport. They they, they they trade away their future first rounder, move all the way up in Davenport. They've done this before. They make these controversial picks. Last year, I think they got Peyton Turner, to, you know, too. So, like, I feel like there's no way they can leave it to chance. It's not like it's, like, in the top ten. There's so many, especially with the division where there's so many variables. and so there's, so there's no consensus of the top players in this draft. 
we, we don't know who even the first pick is going to be. We don't know who the second pick is. They cannot, there's no way they put their reputation on and their intelligence on. And we think they'll probably be there. I can't picture that. If that is, I think that's one of the dumbest things. They, they might get lucky. Sometimes, you know, lucky is better than being, you know, bad, you know, uh, good sometimes. But they might get lucky and those players will fall. But I would be completely befuddled if they just sit back, sit there, and just hope players fall to them. Lou, I can see that happening. But what I'll say is I think it all kind of depends on how the board starts falling the night of. If there's a run on tackles, then I could see them moving up. I just think that may be plan A and B. I think they would like to stay and get two picks. But if their hand is forced and they see, like, I mean, at this this point, let's say Charles Cross ends up going somehow in the top 10. And let's say that's the third tackle off the board. And then you're looking at, which I would love to happen, Trevor Penning just sitting there. And then it's like, okay, he's the best of what's left. And, like, that's tier two because there's a huge drop off from one to two. And let's just go up and get Penning. But at that point, would you rather have – I guess the next best tackle after pinning and maybe one of your favorite wide receivers at that point, or are you going to trade up and only have one first rounder for Trevor pinning? So no, I, I agree with you. I think what makes a perfect sense. And I've been, I've been, um, you know, I've been having visions of this happening. I told you, I kind of alluded to it with the giants. I think depending on how the tackle situation, let's say there's only one, you know, um, let's say there's only one tackle selected and the Giants are on the clock at five, right? Mm-hmm. Giants trade back with New Orleans. New Orleans gets their tackle, right? Then you got Carolina. They can get Pickett, quarterback, or they can get their tackle too. All right. No need to fret, Giants, because you have the seventh pick. Giants can then get Cross, who they love, by the way, who they've had a lot of meetings with. So they can get Cross at seven as well. I had these visions of New Orleans moving up, getting maybe Icky or, you know, or, or Neil at five with the Giants, and there's still enough tackles left for the Giants to get their tackle at seven. Giants do – it will work so much for the Giants too. They get out of the top ten, one of those picks. Don't forget their cap straps, uh, cap, uh, cash strap, uh, cap strap. So it will actually help them, you know, when signing these draft picks. It will be a cheaper draft pick. They'll get future, you know, and then later uh, picks in the uh, first round. That, that's my vision. That's how I see it. And I, I'm totally a conspiracy theorist right now. So – this is why I love this time of year. For for the next six and a half days, we're all right. <laughs> Until we're not. And, and we're all wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is why I love this conjecture about this. Um, but I love when great minds come together. We all see this, you know, kind of playing out a little bit, but uh, a little bit differently. Um, but I was like, Lou, when you put that, I couldn't wait to actually get to that question. I was so glad that I got to be the one to – kind of propose it because I knew there was going to be, I just don't understand why in this draft, like why in this draft to when you're sitting at 18 to say, I need 16 and 19. You know what I mean? Like it just felt funny in my opinion, but I digress. Gentlemen, I know we're, we're running a little long. Are we, do you guys want to stick around for like one more at the very least? Or are we you got rapid? We can do a rapid questions. Like, uh, all right. I'll, I'll throw this one out there. More edge rushers or wide receivers drafted in round one? Wide receivers. I'm going to say edge. I'm going to say wide receivers. I did a mock before today. Uh, I have edge rushers, Walker, Hutchison, uh, Thibodeau, Jermaine Johnson, Arkeloptis, 
Wide receivers, I have Wilson, uh, London, Williams, Olave, Burks. It could be a combo of any of the next guys, Dotson, uh, Watson, Watson no. or Pickens. No. I know I know Pickens is getting steamed. That's probably Pickens, a little too rich. Pickens should be way ahead of those guys. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying, it could, I mean, yeah. it could be any of those guys. And I, that's why yeah. I think I have six to But five no, I think it's receiver. wide receiver. I think it's wide receiver. Lose right. Uh, Only reason I was going, I was saying edge is because I think wide receiver is a deeper uh, position group in the draft. So if the run on edge starts, you'll see some guys get pushed into the first round that probably would have been there in the second normally. But like oh, yeah. uh, Arnold Ebiketti, who uh, Boye Mafe yep. Ebiketti, Ebiketti's actually my favorite edge rusher in the class. I'm not going to say he's the best, but he's my personal favorite edge rusher in the class. Take that to the bank. I'm from with love with him mobile. Yeah, yeah, Craig, cool. not, not to not piss you off with uh, Zerline, but he has him as a comp of Uchenna Nuoso. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> fell, fell, fell in love with him. Fell in love with him in Mobile, man. Like, he, he, he in early in the week, he he kind of was flustered, and he continued to, to work the entire week. I was enamored with Epicady, man. And uh, for a while there, I convinced myself that he would be there at 61 for the 49ers, but there's no chance of that. Oh, yeah. No. no. Yeah. Uh, I'm going edge as well in this, and I, I agree with Craig in the sentiment that when the run starts, panic will ensue. And there just feels like a little bit more depth at wide receiver where somebody's going to be like, oh, I missed on this person. All right. Sky Moore is my guy. Right. Like this is this is my guy. Some of those people that you can um, find day two, maybe day three. So I'll, 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 I'll say more edge rushers as well. So we're a 50 50 split there. And but it's like splitting hairs, dude. Right. Like mm -hmm. it's going to be six one way. Half the dozen no, the other. Yeah, it's fine. Me and Jason again. And you got the two uh, the two Smith guys. I'm just saying the Smith brothers know a little bit about what they're talking about. I'm just going to say, <laughs> um, all right, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to pose one right out there right now. Who, who on your board is falling or who do you think is falling quickly based off of like, from the time that we ended the collegiate season to tight season right everybody looks good in shorts and t-shirts right that's the way i always phrase it craig is everybody mm -hmm. looks good until you put the pads on like who do you feel like is falling the most kind of unexpectedly on draft boards and jason i'll let you go first Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama. A lot of the same things that you guys talked about in terms of competition. Like I, I feel those things. And 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 again, if I keep talking about wide receivers, it's because I'm very passionate about wide receivers. It's the position that I like in myself too. If I were ever to be as athletically gifted as any of these <laughs> players ever were to actually play the game in this way. But Jalen Tolbert is somebody who like when the competition gets better, he got better. And that was something that I really noticed. And when you got a chance to talk about him, he has a very calm demeanor at the senior bowl. Jalen Tobert is somebody who I felt like is like falling. And like, again, could be one of those guys that when we look back on the draft, remember Justin Jefferson was just a slot guy. There's plenty of other guys that have just been pushed into some sort of hole that they've been in. And then they eventually branch out Jalen Tober is one of the guys that I feel is uh, just being completely slept on man because I think the kid can run all the routes that everybody thinks he can against better competition just because he played in South Alabama shouldn't be a detriment to the kid Lou go ahead who's falling you're saying so who's who's dropping? yeah who's yeah who's, who's, dro who's dropping I mean we kind of alluded to it to the uh before Kyle Hamilton uh the tweener between safety and uh Will Backer we don't know what he's going to be and when you just logically look at it, I think the edge rushers, the three offensive tackles, hopefully four, 
uh, by the way, offensive tackles are going to uh, push uh, Hamilton down the board and the wide receivers is going to push Hamilton down the board uh, to that probably 12 to 14 range where before he was getting looked at and talked at that three to six range. So I'm going to, I'm not going to go too much into because we, we uh, beat the ad nauseum, but Kyle Hamilton, I think uh, wants a sol- uh, solid top 10 pick. I think he gets out of that top 10. All right, Craig, you. Yo, I mean, there's a name that for some reason has just disappeared over the course of the last like six, seven months. Sam Howell. At one point, Sam was like a top two or three QB selection in this draft class. And then suddenly he has that year at Carolina in which like he loses the majority of his weapons and he has to play a bunch of hero ball. And I mean, you were still kind of hearing his name. Now nobody mentions him at all. Like whatsoever. I haven't heard Sam Howell. It like kind of threw me off because I was sitting around the other day and I was thinking about QBs and like the same thing. How many are going to go in the first round? I start rattling off names in my head. And then I'm like, somebody's missing. And then I go look at my computer. I'm like, what the hell? Well, yeah, Sam Howell's just completely dropped off of the face of the earth. It's like no one cares. With that said, um, somebody's going to take him probably in the second round, which would be at this point. Is that weird or not? Because, I mean, the dude, the dude had the we saw him have the ability with better weapons. He was a better player. You take that away. And like now he has to make miracles happen with like, you know, lesser talent. Does that mean he's a worse player or does that mean he's a guy with good skill, but he just needs to be surrounded by talent, which I mean, most people need. I mean, it's football. It's not an individual sport. So for me, you know, the guy that I'm looking at that's going to take a fall potentially who already has. I mean, I guess in court of public opinion, he's already fallen. I think Sam Howell could still go in the second round, but I mean, he might end up in third. I don't know. Hey, he would look nice with a little uh, horseshoe on his helmet. Uh, I think that would be a good, uh, 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 a real good uh, fit for him, a good location, good offensive line. Have you know, have a good solid running back. And I like what he did last year. He didn't, he didn't throw the ball, you know, terribly well, but he reinvented his game and added more of like that rushing aspect to it. Mm-hmm. So he he had a change, and you know, you have to look into that. The fact that he did make those changes. Uh, so uh, I agree Frank, with you, Craig. Frank Wright would be perfect for him, like perfect for him. Sitting behind Matt Ryan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And who better to learn from? So I asked this question strategically because I wanted to take one more opportunity to pound the table for Traylon Burks. Uh, <laughs> still, I, I, I can't say it enough. And I still am just like Get a baffled at the landslide that this man's going to see. Like he's he's going to fall. Like and you're talking about like potentially to the bottom half of the uh, bottom. Nah. Third of the first round. Like he is. He he is. And like. I mean, I'm seeing mocks with four or five receivers taken before him. And for the life of me, I just don't understand why. I just, I just, and, and Craig, I feel, I feel like you feel my sentiment on this. I think you guys all do. I think I know, I haven't heard anybody here say they're not a Traylon Burks fan, right? Like they, they think the world of what no, he's capable I think he's going to be great. But he, I just, I just don't get it. Like I'm going to say it one more time and I'll make the clip really short for your receipt, Lou. Wide receiver number. One, number one, and you know, for for a guy of that, when we're talking about there could be potentially six or seven wide receivers taken in the first round to find himself in the bottom slate of that list, like it's it's just mind boggling to me. Um, but I, I think he's gonna fall. Like I just I just think that's what's going to happen, and it'll make me feel that much better about myself uh, when he achieves what I expect him to achieve in the NFL. So real quick, gentlemen. 
We cannot cover the draft without identifying who your draft crush is. Yes. Craig, lead us in. Who is your crush in this draft? Lou, you know the answer to this, don't you? Maybe. No, we'll say. We'll say. We'll start it off. The hashtag. Start the movement. Hashtag do it all Dax. Daxton Hill. That's my guy. All right. Okay. Love Daxton Hill. Um, I could see him, and again, this is Chargers bias. I can see him as a perfect complement to Derwin James because that frees Derwin up to do everything that Derwin can do, takes a buttload of responsibilities off his back. And what you also can double him as is because Daxton was he played a lot of slot, he played some single high, he played some split, but he can also play outside. And recently there's been some talk about Michael Davis maybe not being on the Chargers after this year. And you got your ready-made CB2 for uh, 23 if all else fails. And again, I just love the dude's game. Literally, he can he can do everything in the secondary. And that's essentially what Brandon Staley loves about his DBs. He wants to be a DB, a professional DB operation, as he coined it. And mm-hmm. if that's the type of guy you want, someone who can make a lot happen in a bunch of different spots, throw him in as your starting star this year. And let Derwin kind of roam around and do his thing. If Michael Davis doesn't pan out or he got to bench him or he has to move back to CB4, then go ahead and throw Dax on the outside. See how he handles it, because I think he's perfectly fine. He can do everything. Man, zone is not afraid to come up and stick dudes in the run game. That's yep. That That's my crush. Dax and Hill. All right. Mr. Aponte. Jalen Petrie, safety of Bay- Baylor. I just, I look. I'm sorry, man. Like, I, 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 when I got to see him at the Senior Bowl, I couldn't believe it. I was like, hey, man, a safety who can play in the box, who can actually make plays behind the line of scrimmage in the run game, can cover actual wide receivers and not just tight ends. Uh, you know, uh, for for all the 49er fans who lambast one of my favorite players on this team, Jaquaski Tart, for not making plays that that show up in the box sheet well here's a guy who does exactly what Kwaski does with all of the numbers everything in front of you 18 tackles for loss I believe it was four interceptions three sacks like the guy just fills the stat sheet he was better and better as the week went on in Mobile you don't obviously want to be swayed with just senior bowl stuff but when I started to look more and more into Jalen Petrie after I saw at the senior bowl when you consider what the 49ers need. And they may be in a position where they get the Debo Samuel thing done. They have no questions asked about Mike McGlinchey and maybe Alex Mack comes back. This is the perfect world for the 49er fan where Alex Mack is back. Mike McGlinchey is fine and hundred percent and Debo Samuel's back. Then that means you can go and hopefully pray to the football guys that Jalen Petrie slides to 61. If not, Go up and get your guy if you identify him. I think that he's the perfect complement to Jimmy Ward. This defense, everything that they want to do, the terms of flexibility, everything about Jalen Petrie jumped out to me because it was such a need for the team. But I just fell in love with the guy's game after that. Anybody who gets Jalen Petrie is going to be getting a ball. I'm so glad that I, I came with a backup plan. Um, just I was going to gonna say, Weston. Oh, my God, dude. I love everything about Jalen Petrie. And, and – Jason, you broke my heart earlier when you mentioned a specific player probably not coming back to this team. I think the world of Jaquas Kintar. I, I think He's the not. world of him. And if you t- chat to him, please tell him that Weston Smith said, 
Dude, I think the world of you. Real like, ones I, know. Real I ones just, know. He knows. Real ones know. He is just so slept on, and I do think Petrie tends to be a spitting image. Let me – what I love about Petrie, and, I, and then, Lou, I'll get to you because I digress because I do have another player that I am actually in, secretly in love with in this draft. But, like, Petrie is, like – when I think of things that, like – and I'm not comparing them to these two players – but when I think of players like Bob Sanders from the Colts, when I think of Troy Palomalo from the Pittsburgh Steelers, I think of legit magnets that just understand where the football is. Like their reactionary skill is unprecedented and compared to it, they just read things. And I think they read it before it even like happens. And Petrie to me is that he just finds the football. He, you mentioned the senior ball, Jason. I went back and watched film. I didn't see a single play where, like, if I wanted to know where the football was, I just followed Jalen Petrie. I just followed him. Like, and he found the football. And Lou will tell you how enamored I tend to be with the, the defensive backfield. And so this shouldn't be a surprise. But, like, I'm glad somebody else is pounding the table the same way that I'm trying to pound the table. Like, if he's at 61, oh, my God. Oh my run, god! Run, run, run oh to the podium! God. But he won't I'll, be there. He just—I will—I will be on there. a private jet to Vegas before anybody from the 49ers can make this pick, and I'll run the goddamn envelope up myself. That's how much I love this guy. Yo, isn't there a league know, episode? Can, isn't there a can, league can, episode where they get involved with the yeah. with the Seahawks or something like that? And like, it needs to be us. Like, I'll break out of the media workroom and pull up with you. If Jalen Peachy's there at sixty-one, I'll 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 bust into any room and just say, just make the pick. Like, just make it. Yo, Wesson, Wesson, can, I, can I bum a ride? Yeah, yeah, dude. I, I'll, let me bum a ride. I don't care. I'll, 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 I'll mortgage, you got I'll gas mortgage money? my kids' college money. I got five on it. For, yeah, I got five, five on, on it. Five, five, <laughs> five doesn't even get the five yeah, doesn't man. even get the guy to take the canister out right now at this point. Like five is not even a gallon of gas in the state of New Jersey anymore. Um, all right, Lou, who you got? Who's your crush? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a little weird here. Uh, you know, I didn't understand the assignment. Uh, this is wouldn't be for the truth. <laughs> you never do. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, I didn't. This wouldn't be for the charges. I just love this player. And I'm, yeah, this is Greg Dulcich, uh, inline tight end. Uh, the, your classic wide tie in from uh, UCLA. I think he's surprisingly uh, quick, good uh, yards after a catch uh, type of guy. Watch him in the Colorado game. Watch him in the LSU game. He had uh, he had a 75 yard touchdown against LSU. Uh, he almost had another touchdown a drag route on outside of LSU's 20 yard line. Uh, I was really surprised. I think he's a good vertical threat. Uh, he has some good uh, big catches against Cal uh, for touchdown. Also USC, he had two big catches. Nice, reliable uh, target. Good job identifying, you know, zones and knowing when to sit in those pockets. I feel like he also attacks safety. So, like, he gets up on them. Like, he's surprisingly quick and just gets up on them. For me, all right, I'm going to give you a floor and a ceiling. A floor for me is Dawson Knox. A ceiling would be Mark Andrews for me. So, hmm. that that's that's who I see. Those are the ranges he could be. And the tight ends are players. not – Yeah, and the tight ends are not getting that much love. And, but you know what? The, that third to fourth round possibility, that's a good sweet spot for a, a player I think who would be really good. I, I, you just named, like Jason said, two really good players, right? Like, if yeah, you're well, the yeah, well, Dawson, 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 like, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, there's 18, 19, 20 teams in the NFL that'll be like, I'll take him as my tight end right now, you know? Yeah. Um, so, like, I feel like that's appropriate. He's more, you know, but his ceiling could be Mark Andrews. So, all right. So, I, I I hope 
I am pulling a rabbit out of the hat on this one, even though Mr. Aponte stole a lot of my thunder. But luckily, this is the draft, so we fall in love with many players. And we've been talking a lot about wide receivers today. And I'm going to talk about one that is not talked about enough. And it's Chris Pierce from Vanderbilt. I, let me – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rattle some names here for you. <laughs> This guy, first of all, they won five games in three years while he was there, right? So nobody talks about Vanderbilt at all. Nobody talks about the Commodores. Quarterbacks, Kyle Shermer, Riley Neal, <laughs> Deuce Wallace, Ken Seals, Mike Wright. Does anybody know anybody on that list other than Kyle Shermer? It's funny, Probably. I left with the one that Kyle Shermer left. Yeah, but that's the, that's the good one on the list, right? Like, that's literally the good one on the list that this guy play with. But this dude is 6'4", 230-plus pounds, and played in the SEC. Like, we talked about what Traylon Burks was doing, playing against the best of the best. He's got good hands, strong body. Like, there's just a lot that I like about this guy. And I'm going to – I'm newsflash. He's probably not even going to get drafted. So he's going to play special teams for somebody out there. But he did it in college, and he did it well, and he smacked people around i'm telling you 49er fans charger fans if you if, if all of a sudden you see this name pop up in the sixth or seventh round and he is drafted you should be thrilled to death i'm telling like every year there's undrafted and late round people that just come onto the scene and i'm telling you right now that chris pierce is one of those people i love everything about his game because to me he does he does everything and he does everything well, but just nobody knows about him because he played on a really pitiful football team, but against the elite competition. And as a wide receiver, you can only impact the game so much when those are your quarterbacks that I just rattled off. Chris Pierce from Vanderbilt, mark it in your books. All right. All right. Fellas, I think we can – and, and, unless somebody wants one more, uh, I like, like I said, I can go all night. I, I'm pretty sure I don't. Is Ponte is the daughter down for the night? Oh well, she's been asleep since eight o'clock. What? Really, not the issue. Your child don't goes to bed at eight o'clock at night. Mine do too. Eight o'clock every night. I don't. Play. Mine do I look, too. Listen, Same thing. Look, look, oh look, look, man. Like you, like don't let the don't let the Batman pop figures and the Batman <laughs> imagery and all the Spider Man stuff fool you. It's not playtime when it's bedtime. It's it. That's it. it. Batman don't have a bedtime, but Craig, my daughter does. Listen, I'm so envious of you. I I usually think people like you and Craig and Lou are just complete liars when you say that your children go to bed at this nope. time. Like She's my on the other side of this wall. My my child re- refuses to go to bed. Refuses to go to bed. It's like. It's like, remember the steel cage matches at WrestleMania when we watched wrestling growing <laughs> up? Like, that's the shit that I go through at night. It's just unbelievable. Except for your oh. mankind. Yeah, your mankind. He's three, hates he's, yeah, exactly. I lose. Like, I lose everyone. He's three and a half. And he's okay. And he's an animal. Like, he, mm-hmm. but you know what? The one thing I, I will say is whether he gets 10 hours of sleep in a night, because there are times that like he'll just like randomly ass out at like 7 30. Like, just, like, randomly, right? But that's not the norm, right? Like, 9, 30, 10 o'clock is the norm. But whether he gets 10 hours of sleep or four hours of sleep, thankfully, his demeanor during the day is, like, like he always gets 10 hours of sleep. So I'm grateful mm-hmm. for that. That's good. But it is 
no holds bar with tiny Zeus Lister and Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake when it is like, nah, guy, you got to go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if I got to force the hand, and I, I never win that battle. But, gentlemen, this has been an absolute pleasure. Lou and I sincerely appreciate um, the time that you you've devoted to us. Um, you know, we'll go in, we'll go in order, but Craig to our audience, let them know where they can find you, what you're covering, give them your, your handle, the whole nine, my man. Yeah, man. So, um, over on Twitter, top flight, T O P underscore F L Y T three. Um, I do, you know, my content, well, I try to do it weekly, but it's like you said, Weston having kids kind of slows the process down with my own personal stuff. So uh, I have my YouTube page, which is the flight deck and uh, my videos are called charge it to the game. So I literally just jump on there and shoot off whatever I'm feeling at that time. It'd be once a week, it'd be twice a week, might be once in that month, but where you can find me other than that regularly is on uh, the charger chat podcast, uh, which you can catch wherever you get your pods or on their YouTube page as well. Um, I do a segment there right now. It's every Friday. It's called the Craig experience during their show and also on uh, the lightning round podcast youtube page it's funny that lou said didn't you say i have i got five on it yeah when talking about the guests that's the name of my segment on uh the lightning round podcast youtube page so um, it's just five topics i'm I'm an avid fan avid follower bro there you go man cool i appreciate it well yeah that's uh my segment on uh you know the lightning round podcast youtube page so you guys you know tap in follow your boy and uh you know I, i let off some Spicy takes pretty much always because I don't care what pe- whether people like it or not. It's just how I feel. So yeah, it don't have c- to. I have to explain. Charger fans, they're so ridiculously all optimistic. All twenty-four of you. Yeah, all, all twenty-four of you. They're they're so ridiculously optimistic, and the people who are trying to be real when it comes to you know uh, you know thinking about this team and talking about this team are considered negative and what have you. Craig keeps it real. Love his takes. So definitely go check that out, man. Hit the subscribe yeah. button too. Yep. And- Charger's truth broker over here, man. That's yeah, it. That's all it, I try right, to do. Too. Jason, not that you need any introduction, man, but you've always been so kind to Lou and I and given us your platform and, and your forum, and we're super appreciative of it. So allow us to take the opportunity to return the favor to go ahead and, and plug what you got going. Hey, appreciate you guys. Any Anytime that anybody invites me on to talk ball, I'm excited because why the hell would anybody ever want to hear what I have to say is, is my <laughs> motto. Um, very nice to meet Craig and, uh, and appreciate you guys um, for everything. So yeah. Um, at Jason Aponte 2103 on Twitter, um, Jason Aponte on YouTube is where you'll find, you know, weekly shows, especially now that we actually have things to talk about now. And it's crazy that we went through an entire segment or an entire hour 40 something minute podcast. We didn't really get to talk about Debo Samuel Weston, which was actually a break. It's a good break. It's a it's a good break from breaking from talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. So what Debo Samuel is doing right now is literally the Lord's work because now we don't have to discuss why Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this team. I guess so selfless, the, the so selfless of him, Jason. He is. He what is, man. And I think that 49er <laughs> fans are missing the big picture here more than anything. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, you know, thank you guys for for um, inviting me on, Craig. Very nice to meet you guys. And yeah, if you want to tap in with me. Tap in with me on Twitter. That's where I'll be. I'm going to be at the draft. I'll be in the in, in the media room, things like that. So whatever I'm hearing, I'll uh, be sending out to, to, to everybody, and uh, we'll see how everything lays. But uh, exciting time right now for the draft. And 49er fans, if you're out there listening, 
the Debo Samuel stuff is something to worry about. Start looking at those draft prospects then. Like if you're if you're starting to be worried about that, then start looking at those first round draft draft prospects because you might have a shot at getting one of those if you think things are going to go the way as pessimistically as you're thinking uh, yeah. they will go. So, Jason, I got, I, got, I got extra quick question, Jason. Yep. Are you hopping on Weston's private jet uh, to go to Vegas? Nope. I'm hopping on the Spirit flight, which is the one that uh, hopefully will get me there uh, faster but or, or safer and cheaper. But, you know, uh, keep me in your prayers, guys. I yeah. got you, bro. Well, let, let me let let's let reality sink in for one second. There's no such thing as Weston's private jet. Look, the uh, shit's like a time That's shit. a lie. We all, yeah, that's, that's, kind of a lie. that's good. And, and, and that feels like a lie. That feels like PR. That feels like John Lynch. So, like, you know, yeah, I'll let you finish up. Well done. <laughs> so, you're right, Jason. I strategically left Debo out of this. I wanted to give you a break. I'm tired from it. I'm exhausted from it. But you're right. 49er fans, like, be excited either way. Either way, you're retaining one of your best players or you have new Christmas gifts that you might be able to unwrap in a few days, right? Like either way, like this is why we follow the sport, the nonstop action. Um, Charger fans, you'll, you'll realize this real soon because I feel like it's going to start happening to you. But uh, the 49ers are the gift that keep on giving 365 days a year. They always give you something ridiculous to talk about. It's unbelievable. But, Lou, like I always do, I will rely on you, sir, to let everybody know where they can find us. Yeah, you can find us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at WTF Pod NFL. Check us out. Uh, definitely hit up the Instagram, too. we got some great content, funny-ass shit on there, too. So take a look, guys. All right. And if you find us on, on YouTube at We're Talking Football, um, real nice and simple. But, gentlemen, again, super appreciative, appreciative of your time and your efforts this evening. Look forward to doing this again in the future.